Morning Holy Cross, this is Pete uh, here again with Peter. And today we're going to talk about in our Gospel Reminder the topic of God's goodness, uh, the attribute of His goodness. The Bible is really filled with talking about God and uh, His attributes, what He's like. And the Psalms are filled with um, saying that God is good. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 100, The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. And again, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it's pleasant. And so all throughout Scripture, we see uh, the attribute and character of God, that he is a God who is good. And that's not the easiest uh, word to define, if I ask you, what does it mean that something's good? So uh, Peter and I are just going to walk through this and, and talk a little bit about this attribute of God that is really important. Hey, Peter, how are you today? Hey, good morning, Holy Cross. Good morning, Pete. Uh, feeling good. Awesome. Well, this morning. What does it mean that something's good? How do we define that? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's kind of like the word love or other words that we use. We throw around a lot. I think ultimately goodness, you know, there's kind of like a moral component to it, but there's also kind of like a, a comprehensive, uh, satisfying quality to something that's good. Um, when I think of saying, whoa, that was really good after I had a really filling and, and uh, satisfying meal uh, or watch a good movie, we'll say, oh, that was good because we feel very satisfied by it. Yeah, right. It's, it seem, it's fitting. It's uh, pleasing. It's satisfying. Uh, God looks upon his creation and he says it is very good. And, and it doesn't mean that it had this certain quality that was moralistic, but it was rather, it was just pleasing to his heart. It satisfies God. His work satisfied him. You know, another way that I've heard the goodness being defined is something that is fitting, kind of like the way a, a, a perfect shoe will fit a foot. Um, so something, a shoe that is a good fit, it's, it's almost a shoe that was made perfectly for our foot. And so to say that God is good means that there's nothing better that can actually satisfy us and there's no one more fitting for our life and and no one more appropriate to speak into our circumstances and and struggles so to say that god is good means that he is the one who could ultimately satisfy but most of us really don't live within the continuous freedom of enjoying god's goodness and this awareness on our heart that god is good Let's talk a little bit about some of the obstacles that might be in our way to enjoying God's good. I was thinking about it, and, and I think that there's a couple realities that are really important to identify as far as barriers or things that stop us from resting in how satisfying God's goodness is to us. I think that there's dynamics that are outside of us. Uh, like, it's a very real thing that we live in a culture that is very driven by marketing, advertising. I think the other dynamic that we absolutely can't ignore is the dynamic that's internal. Um, we aren't just victims of something in our culture, but it actually lands. The reason it has power as a culture is because of what's going in our own hearts. And it's this, uh, I think, desire to kind of wander and to look constantly mm. for what will fill me, what will satisfy me. It's this feeling of, of incompleteness and need within us and this uh, desire to look really kind of that the nature of sin is to look everywhere for satisfaction other than in God himself. You know, I think wow. we see that in, in Eve in the very beginning and how the 
the devil tempted her and um, mm. kind of exploited her was to look somewhere other than God. And so that's something very real within us. You remind me of a quote by G.K. Chesterton, and he says that the reason why we are so bored in life is because we don't have uh, patience for the routine and we're constantly looking for variety in our life. And so we're constantly looking for, like, like you said, this, uh, the next good thing. Like we're satisfied in one thing and we're thinking, okay, what else can satisfy? Um, what, what's the next good thing I can do? The next um, thing that will fill me. And, and because of that, because we're always running from one thing that pleases us to the next, uh, we actually get bored and we're not used to delighting in God and letting him fill us and satisfy us because it requires that we just return to him each day. And we get bored with that. You know, there's this common idiom that says uh, we should live in the moment. And really the, the key to enjoying a fullness of life is just to live in the moment, right? And I think that that's really that works when if that moment you're living in is really really awesome but do we get to pick the moment that we get to live in um that what if that moment is suffering what if the moment is struggle and conflict what if it's affliction Um, not many of us would choose to live in this moment so this attribute of god's goodness is really important for our day-to-day and we see the struggle of not living in his goodness and the um, kind of a paradigm of his goodness. How does God direct us back to knowing and resting in his goodness? Uh, that's where we want to go with this reminder today. And, and, I, and I think of Matthew 13 where Jesus is telling a parable. And he tells about a man who finds a treasure in a field. And then Matthew 13 says, Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And here Jesus is trying to direct us uh, to live with a perspective on what is ultimately good. And that's knowing God. The treasure is relationship with God through Jesus Christ and selling all that we have. What does this parable teach us about uh, pursuing the goodness of God and delighting in his joy each day? I love that it says in his joy he sold everything and then bought the fields. It kind of reminds me of that common phrase that's sort of like Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Mm. And Jesus plus something kind of equals nothing. So unless we yeah. are like, find our total satisfaction in, in the entirety of Christ, then, you know, we, we're just missing out on where true, enduring, eternal joy is found. Yeah, right. Uh, this analogy of the land is interesting. I've never been one that had the patience or, frankly, the resources to ever invest in land. Um, but I but I know these, you know, some people who do, and they'll buy a piece of land and then they'll sit on it for an entire generation, right? To to and then it pays off later. And that is just I don't have the patience for that or the resources for that. But it's a practice of of trust that the value of that, what's in that land, will far exceed the expense right now. And so they invest in it. And Jesus is telling us that whatever it costs us to pursue the goodness of God in in Him, whatever it costs us is far less than the joy that we receive. And trusting Him that we we might be 
prone to run to things to comfort us, but there's nothing that can satisfy us like, like Jesus and, and resting in him. One of the idols that we have is we, we, need, we think that there's something more than Jesus. We need something more. You know, we have his love, we have his, his um, care, we have his righteousness uh, through faith, but we need something more to get through the day. And so we feel, we often complain about life. We feel that there's so much um, burden and we don't stick at things. Uh, we don't go back to this routine of just prayer and pursuing him in the scriptures. But Jesus possesses the fullness of God and he dispenses the fullness of joy to us uh, as, we, as we rest in him. And because he is good, we don't have to look anywhere else for satisfaction. I think that could be a really good thing to think about today as we go about our day. Yeah, absolutely. Very encouraging to me. One thing that we say each Sunday as we worship, when we take the Lord's Supper together, we remind each other of the words that Jesus says when he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. And that's an interesting thing because, of course, we need to eat. Of course, we need to drink. Uh, in order to have life. Jesus isn't saying that if we trust in him, we'll never encounter conflict, but he's saying that nothing can satisfy like him. And just like a good meal that we eat that fully gives, you know, physical nourishment and life to our body, as we rest in Jesus and see him as our ultimate good, we don't have to look anywhere else to be satisfied. And that's a good way to go about our day. Um, Wherever you are today, uh, Holy Cross, um, if your heart is um, weary, uh, you might be tempted to to look elsewhere for satisfaction, but I encourage you to to look at Christ as the treasure, the treasure of of, of all treasures. And he is more than enough. He gives us the gift of of, of the Father's joy and uh, pleasure, and He looks at us uh, because of what Jesus did. God looks at us and He delights in us, and we're pleasing to Him. And so go go forward in your day knowing that He is good. And because he is good, the, his good things will never be taken from us. Uh, the bad things uh, won't last, and uh, the best things are yet to come. So thanks, Peter, for walking through this uh, with me this morning. It was good to hear your perspective and to be encouraged by uh, the things on your heart. Thank you. And thanks, Holy Cross, and uh, we, we, uh, we miss you and, and uh, are praying for you and look forward to being reminded of the gospel um, tomorrow with you. Have a great day, everyone. Go in God's peace.